Welcome to another episode of Cinema Adventure. This is the first in a series. We're doing some specials on director Wes Anderson. We're starting off with his film Bottle Rocket and we'll work through all of them and then we'll do an episode on his newest stop motion animated film Isle of Dogs when that releases. Oh, by the way, we're a movie podcast. Oh. Every week yeah. on Mondays, we talk about movies, sometimes with a guest, sometimes just the two of us. Sometimes none of us. Sometimes the podcast room's empty. I'm your favorite host, Aiden Walker. And I'm Blake Peterson, the other host who you might like better, but are too afraid to tell Aiden because it might hurt his feelings. Sounds <laughs> about right. That's right. Don't forget. So we watched Bottle Rocket. That's true. From 1996. That's old. Older than me. <laughs> Older? Wait, really? Yeah. I'm young, Aiden. I know that you're very old and you're like about to graduate or whatever, but I'm still a child. I'm ancient. That's true. You're ancient. I was around when this movie came out. Were you? Wow. How yeah. did that feel for you? I don't Do you know. Remember that, I was Aiden? a year old. <laughs> a year old. That's Actually, pretty old. I don't even know what month this movie came out I in. I started smoking when I was one, so I, it's not the same for everyone. That's very French of you. I mean, I am French. You just can't tell because I'm covering up my French accent. But yeah. So Bottle Rocket was Wes Anderson's very first film, and uh, it was co-written by him and Owen Wilson. Wow. Wow. Love Owen. I feel like I say wow like that in general. Oh so yeah, me too. Definitely have the affinity with Owen Wilson. The debut of Anderson and Owen Wilson and Luke Wilson, who's also in the movie, but it's based on a short movie they did. Is it... Was it from 1994, also called Bottle Rocket? Yes, so. 1994. It was also called Bottle Rocket. It was shot in black and white. It was about 13 minutes long. Wow. Just the natural mm-hmm. transition. you got to go from short to full. Have you seen the original short film? I haven't. I'm kind of a casual Wes Anderson fan. That's so. okay. I watched it for the first time last night. After, oh, really? after I watched the full, the feature, I watched the short film. And there's a lot of similarity. Most of the first maybe 45 minutes of the feature are just like an expansion of what happens in the short, but oh, okay. they, they rob their their own houses and <laughs> there's an added scene where they steal a wallet out of a car that's <laughs> got the window rolled down. Very nice. Yeah, it's, I mean, this is a very lighthearted movie, but it's more focused on just kind of the, the interactions between the friends and how excited they are to be doing crime together. Is yeah. it like, does it seem more of a lower budget kind of thing? Is it like a lot... Smaller scale. I mean, I would imagine smaller. You know, scale, it's but. it's filmed in basically all of the same places that the oh, feature okay. is filmed in, yeah. only in black and white. So I guess it looks a little lower budget because of that. But so I mean, we are doing this series, Aiden, and this was kind of your idea. When did you start really loving Wes Anderson? When did your love affair with him begin? <sighs> oh, old Wes. You know, once he grew his hair out long, that's when I couldn't stop. When was that? I don't even know that. I don't know either. Um, <laughs> You know, I think, what was the first Wes Anderson movie I saw? I believe the first movie I saw was Moonrise Kingdom, which was, I can't have seen it too long after it came out, I don't think. But yeah, then I kind of fell off the radar with him. I guess I I didn't really get it until Grand Budapest Hotel came out, and then I saw that. I didn't see it in the theater, which, regret. Actually, I saw it. I saw it on uh, an airplane. (laughs) Yeah, you know what? I I actually I I watched it the second time on an airplane. That's a lie. I think I I watched it with some people the the first time I saw it, but I think it had already come out. But I loved all the colors in it, and I I really enjoyed how how deeply you care about each of the characters, even though there isn't a lot there usually. It's just kind of the way that they talk to each other and interact within this world, and the way that the world is presented in this very, not jovial, but just kind of like organized and happy way. Yeah. 
I enjoy that. I think it's different than what a lot of filmmakers do. And I, I know Wes Anderson gets a lot of criticism for having his style appear as like a gimmick. People call him like gimmicky or shticky, and he just kind of sticks to that. I kind of do that a little bit, but <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I like think him. that's valid, but I think yeah. it's fun. I always liked Wes Anderson, but I've never been like this huge fan. I'll kind of just watch his stuff when it comes out, and I'm like, oh yeah, this is pretty good. Because yeah, I think I really love Grand Budapest Hotel, so that kind of made me change my opinion. But before that, I was like, I don't know. I feel like his style is so distinct and so because everything is formulated almost like a painting, so it's all super specific that I felt like I was so focused on that that I never could get into the movies themselves. They all kind of felt like exercises to me. So I think Grand Budapest changed that. So I'm really looking forward to Isle of the Dogs because he did when he did Fantastic Mr. Fox. That was his other stop motion. Has he done any other ones or is that it? Mm-mm. Okay. Yeah, I'd love to see him do that again. So, But yeah, tell, tell viewers what, whom I have not seen Bottle Rocket. Just give a brief plot summary. Okay, so... Bottle Rocket is about a group of rich kids. By kids, I mean they're in their mid-20s. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Owen Wilson, Luke Wilson, and Robert Musgrave are the, the three main boys. Luke Wilson plays Anthony, who's kind of the protagonist, darker-haired, no-broken-nose, oh, showing like Owen. Like Owen. <laughs> Owen Wilson plays the one who acts like the youngest. You know, he acts like the littlest kid. His character's name is Dignan, and then there, which is a very interesting name. I'd never heard the name Dignan before this I, film. <laughs> Not sure if it's a real name. I kept thinking it was just like Dingman. But it like might he, be his last name. That's, I think so, too. I kept thinking it was like they were just trying to say like Dingman, almost like a dingbat kind of thing, because he says so many dumb things that I was like, what if like they couldn't even spell Dingman wrong, kind of, you know? Yeah. But I don't know. I could be wrong. And then there's <laughs> Robert Musgrave, who plays Bob Maplethorpe, who is the, <laughs> the richest of the rich kids. Yes. At the very beginning of the film, Anthony, played by Luke Wilson, is in a volunteer mental hospital because he says that he's been exhausted, and that's where he's gone. And he'd been communicating with his friend Dignan, Owen Wilson, and Dignan has this childish way about him, and he, he's convinced that he needs to get Anthony out of there, and he doesn't really know that it's a volunteer place, so they come concoct this scheme to, like, bust him out, but <laughs> it's, all, it's all very tongue-in-cheek, and Anthony... You know, ties a bunch of sheets together to scale out the window, and then his doctor is up in his room just kind of saying goodbye and kind of nodding along and be like, yeah, this is fine. This is not abnormal. <laughs> so then Dignan comes up with this plan that they're going to become criminals, that they're going to be heisters. Yeah. And heisters is not a word. Uh, that I, they're going be to be. be. <laughs> they're going to become involved in performing heists. They also get their friend Bob Maplethorpe involved because he has a car. That's smart. And that's it. Like, you're the getaway <laughs> driver because of the three of us. You're the only one who owns a car. So they come up with this plan to rob a bookstore. They do. They rob a bookstore. They make some money off of it. And then they go into hiding at this off-the-road motel. Luke Wilson's character meets Inez, who's played by Lumi Cavazos. And she is a, what would you say, what was her position? I think she was just a maid. She just kind of cleaned up people's rooms after they left. Yeah. So. She is from Paraguay? Is that where she says she's from? I think so. I think she said she's from Paraguay. Yeah. And um, she doesn't speak English, but he falls in love with her. And then the two of them have this kind of affair. There's arguing um, among the three guys. And Bob Maplethorpe takes off in the car. And he strands them. Then there's, after that argument, there's kind of a time jump that happens pretty rapidly. And everybody's kind of gone back to doing their own thing, except that now Anthony and Bob Mablethorpe are working together, working a bunch of jobs like construction and coaching Little League and just very (laughs) silly things. 
Yeah. Um, and then Dignan has gone to work at this landscaping company for a man named Mr. Henry, played by James Kahn. And, or is it Kahn? I think it's Kahn. I think it's Don't Kahn. Don't me, though. I'm not positive. Two, yeah, two A's. James Kahn. I think it's okay. Kahn. And sure. he's, he goes to work for James Kahn. They're landscaping. And then it turns out they're kind of a front for organized crime. They do heists. So Dignan... Dignan confronts Anthony and he says, hey, are you in? You want to do some heists? And all the while he's wearing a yellow jumpsuit and riding around on a tiny motorcycle. (laughs) And Anthony's like, yeah, man, I'm in. (laughs) So then they pull this heist on a, it's just like a refrigerator kind of, it's not a factory. It's like a warehouse that's got some fish hanging in it. It, I guess they're going to go and and steal something. It's never clear what they're they're there to take. But anyway, the heist goes wrong and the police show up. They have some accomplices that they, they met through Mr. Henry, such as Kumar, who's the safe cracker. There's Applejack, who is just kind of there to do heist things. And anyway, it, it goes terribly wrong. The police are called and Dignan is arrested and goes to jail, but everybody else gets away. And that's basically the gist of the film. Yeah, pretty I'd good say. gist. Great storytelling right there. Let's talk about the movie. Yeah. What do you think? I I enjoyed it a lot. I think it is a pretty simplistic movie. It's not groundbreaking necessarily, but it's one of those classic. I think this happens with a lot of big auteurs. They always kind of start with a movie that's pretty basic, but it lays a lot of the groundwork for like what's to come. So I think Bottle Rocket really, you see a lot of things you would see later on in Wes Anderson movies, but just on a lot smaller of a scale. A couple of those shots that are very like, wow, that's very well composed, like stuff that's like, aerial or something or maybe a certain close-up all these little things that would be a little more grandiose in the future but you still see a couple things but it is weird because i'm so used to with anderson with it being very stylish and very colorful that because this movie there's a couple stylistic kinds of things that are like that but for the most part it is focused on plot you're not really worried about how it looks so that was an interesting turn of events because i feel like when most people come to a wes anderson movie they come for the style, whereas with this one, you don't necessarily have to. I yeah. agree. How do you feel about it? You know, this is an interesting movie. This is the second time I've seen it, actually. I I have this weird relationship with this movie where I don't love it. There's nothing about this that makes me want to say, yeah, like, I really, really love this, and I want to come back and watch this a bunch of times. I love the end. I like the last 20 minutes of the film when they pull off the heist. It's and so then funny. Yeah, and then Dignan ends up in jail. That whole that whole bit is the strongest part of the film for me. Yeah. Really drags in the middle. It really yeah. does. The focus on the relationship between Anthony and Inez is stretched out. And there are some really comedic parts in there for sure, but it doesn't have a very big lasting effect on the rest of the movie. I wanna say it like could be removed and the movie wouldn't be changed, but it could be downplayed a lot, I guess. It just seems a little unnecessary. Yeah, although I did kind of like it because I feel like the whole movie, you're so busy thinking how Luke and Owen Wilson, their characters are kind of losers and you're kind of making fun of them. So for me, I kind of like the romance because it's like, even though Luke Wilson's a total failure, he can still at least find a genuine love. So I was like, oh, there's like one thing in his life that he can do well and be successful at. So I liked it for that, but I agree that it is a little bit more stretched out than it has to be. I honestly think it could be fine if it just left off as like a brief affair instead of having to like come back later. It's not super necessary. I think it would be pretentious to say that I enjoy the the short film like from 1994 more 
than the, the feature, but I think that there is a specific atmosphere that's established in the short that is different than the feature that I think it might be criticized if that was like what became really popular as being too much like a Tarantino kind of movie because it has some of that really choppy dialogue you know, in, in the short after they rob the bookstore, they don't actually show the bookstore being robbed. They're just like, we're going in, we're going to do it. And then directly after that, it's them sitting outside of a burger restaurant and Dignan is telling a story about the robbery. He's like, yeah, did you see that? We just busted in. And the guy was like, what was going on, man? What's happening? <laughs> and just, it, it was really comedic in that way, but in not in so much of a lighthearted way as it is in Wes Anderson kind of stuff. It was more, it felt a little darker that's interesting. Yeah, because I do, I do like the bookstore heist scene a lot. I think it's very funny. I love that line too, where they're like robbing the owner, or whatever, and the owner's like, "Don't call me an idiot, you punk." And then after that, they start acting very politely. Oh <laughs> yeah. Do, do you have any bigger bags, <laughs> please, sir? I, okay. All right. So don't funny. don't move. Thank you. <laughs> no, so good. Because I mean, it is funny too. How I mean, there obviously are consequences, but for so much of the movie, there is this feeling of. They commit these crimes, but it's not a big deal. It's just something they kind of try out. So <laughs> that was funny to me, too, is how they're really... It's almost like they're committing these crimes because they can, slash they maybe watch too many bank robbery movies. There's there's just kind of a why not sort of thing, which I think adds a comedic element, too. Yeah, it's like they're, it's like they're trying to seek some kind of excitement in their lives, but they're picking this avenue that is really not smart. Yeah, and doesn't Owen Wilson, like, he, his character says that he wants it to be, like, a 75-year plan. Like, he has oh, this, yeah. big, this big plot, apparently. <laughs> there, there's a scene when they're on a bus. Owen Wilson has this journal that he's just written, this whole long plan. And this is the this is one of the aspects that will then move on and be reused in later Wes Anderson movies, and that is making a list or packing or talking about a list of items and having, you know, the camera tracking, like, oh, I need my scissors and rope and wallet and compass, right? <laughs> and the, the the camera will show each one of those objects. It's kind of like that, except it's just his notebook and it says, this is a 75 year plan. And the camera just kind of pans down it and shows that he has planned, like, we're going to rob this bookstore. Then we're going to do the heist on the warehouse. And then after that, go into hiding, get married, maybe. And there's all these parentheses <laughs> and all these options, but just that kind of methodical character who wants to have their life ready to go. And they, they know... They're determined. As it, it shows up again and again. Oh, yeah, that character is so funny, too, because he thinks he's very smart and put together and is not. And even what Anderson will throw in these little lines, like, well, he'll, he'll use the wrong word. Like, he, during a scene where they're all planning stuff, he, like, tries to be like, oh, I'm just being hypothetical, but he says hypocritical instead. But he yeah. does, like, stuff like that throughout where, and it's always totally serious, but, like, he'll just throw in these little things like, oh, no, he is not as smart as he thinks he is, but... That's kind of the fun of it, is everyone involved doesn't really know what they're doing. But they kind of just convince themselves that they know what they're doing. So it's funny to see them work with that. Yeah. I think what, what's most enjoyable about, about this, what's most enjoyable about this film is the interactions between the characters. Just watching it, watching the interactions between Owen Wilson and Luke Wilson make me almost, I don't want to say nostalgic, but it, it elicits that feeling that I had of joking around or talking with my friends in middle school or something. I had these friends that I would hang out with through high school and even early college all the time. And in middle school, we would all play cops and robbers. And it was every single weekend we would do that. <laughs> and just some of the ways that these guys act and like the plans that they formulate and the ways that they try to communicate or like the ways they try to be badass, you know, like during the heist, they're like, they all have code names, right? <laughs> Black Eagle or 
Smoke Brigade. I don't know, something silly. They all have these nicknames. It reminded me a lot of what it's like to be a young a young boy. I, I don't want to say young boy. <laughs> a young boy. That sounds great. It's like being a young boy. Yeah, that's funny. They're also immature. And I love, too, how during the books rights, they all put, like, tape over their nose or something. I don't know if that was, like, in some sort of movie. But clearly they're trying to, like, pay homage to something they thought was cool. But then everyone questions it. Like, I think they open the door, and, like, one of the first things the guy says is, like, why is there tape on your nose? Now, they're also, in addition to being, you know, the bumbling crooks, they also are not convincing anyone. They're not scaring anyone. They just seem like a bunch of fools. I also haven't seen a Wes Anderson movie in a long time, so I don't know how similar they are in terms of comedy, but I was really reminded of David O. Russell's Flirting with Disaster, which kind of combines this screwball, absurdist sort of thing, but grounds it in this reality that makes you very aware of who these characters would be in real life. I don't know if you felt like it was like any other movies like that at all, or did you feel like it meshed well with other Wes Anderson movies in terms of comedy? I think in terms of comedy, it does mesh well with other Wes Anderson movies, yeah. But I, I, outside of that, I I couldn't think of something to compare it to. Yeah, no, I love the style so much. Because it is, it's so silly, but I also can imagine so much of this playing out in real life. You know, like, you've met these kind of people, especially, like, in middle school and high school, like you were talking about, like, these are all very recognizable people. And, and a lot of the comedy is pretty visual. They'll say yeah. something, and then the punchline will be in the next shot. For example, when they get to the hotel, I don't remember, I think it might be Bob Musgrave. Did I say Bob Musgrave? I think it, I combined the names. Um, <laughs> it happens. Robert Musgrave, Bob Mablethorpe. Uh, <laughs> wow. Bob Mablethorpe says something like, yeah, we're going to get a really good room in this awesome motel or something like that. And then the next shot is the three of them in a room and all the beds are just totally huddled together <laughs> and it's just puny and it looks like it's a room for two people maximum. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. And it's just totally silent. It just shows them all sleeping in that room. And a lot of those visual cues are what, what make this movie pretty funny. The stuff that's really great about this movie is the visual comedy. And then later on, you know, visuals would be such an important part of Anderson's style, whether or not it's comedic or not. But that is fun knowing now, like, what he would do how he established a lot of those things early on. I just want to say, I think the funniest moment for me, what's his name? It's Applejack has collapsed inside the elevator in the in the building that they're pulling the heist on. Dignan is going to run back in to save Applejack, who's collapsed in the elevator because a gun went off. He thought he was shot, but he wasn't. And he has like a heart attack. <laughs> um, so everybody's outside. And then... Anthony's like, I'm going back for Applejack. And Dignan says, no, no, man, you got to run. I'm going in. And he's like, no, Dignan, you can't go. It's not safe. And Dignan doesn't look at the camera, but he might as well have in this moment because he says, they can't catch me, man, because I'm fucking innocent. And then he <laughs> runs in and it's, it's so perfect. It's a really good kind of a summation of his character, right? Exactly. Because he is just... You know, he, he acts like an innocent kid, right? He wants to do crimes because they're fun and exciting, not because he wants to make a bunch of money and be a bad guy because of it. Of course, he is caught, and he <laughs> goes to jail, which is, again, part of the joke. No, it is funny because he is just like a child in a man's body. That whole high scene is so funny, though, because even when it starts, they're no one's sneaky at all. They're just walking around loudly, yelling, and it's just... It's funny to think about other high sequences in movies and then compare them in your mind to this because it's like, wow, they really are not doing great so far. And they're all wearing yellow jumpsuits. They're all wearing yellow. None of them really know what they're doing. Well, so this week, um, since Aiden is a bigger Wes Anderson fan than me, I thought I would pass the torch for the Fun Facts with Blake segment to Aiden. So this week it'll be 
Fun facts with Aiden. I'm not going to sing it because my voice isn't great. So, Aiden. And I'm still sick, so I'm Aiden not going to try. We're both just falling apart. Fun basically. facts with me, everybody. Fun facts with Aiden. Go ahead. Go. Tell the people what they want to hear. So we've already said this was Wes Anderson's first film. <gasps> He and Owen Wilson co-wrote the, the film together. The two of them met at the University of Texas at Austin. Mm. And the story was it's pretty adorable, actually. And I can <laughs> picture it because Owen Wilson seems like a nice guy. You know, basically what happened is Wes Anderson and Owen Wilson were both going to register for their classes for the next quarter, semester, whatever UT does. And Owen Wilson approached Wes Anderson and started asking him, like, hey, man, what, what classes should I take next quarter, semester? And uh, there was this interview with Wes Anderson where he was saying, you know, it, it felt like an old friend had just approached me and just started talking to me as if he knew me and I had no idea who he was. It turned out the two of them had like some mutual friend in common. And anyway, the two of them and Luke Wilson and Robert Musgrave all ended up moving in together uh, and living together later on in Dallas. So that takes us to our next fact, which <laughs> is that uh, this film was shot in Dallas, Fort Worth and Hillsboro, Texas. The fun thing about this is one of my favorite characters in the movie is Kumar, who's the safe cracker, <laughs> who's just this older gentleman who doesn't really say much. Just they ask him like what his deal is and he's like, I, I listen and he just makes the hand <laughs> signal like he's turning a crank on a on a safe and listening for the clicks. He also fails during the heist. They take him in and he tries to listen to the safe and just doesn't do it. And they find him in one of the freezers at one point and they're like, how'd you get in here? And he's like, I don't know. <laughs> that, whole sec that whole sequence is just fantastic. Anyway, the fun thing about Kumar is that the actor's name is actually Kumar. He's Kumar Palana. And they knew him because he was the owner of a cafe that they frequented oh. regularly called the Cosmic Cup in Dallas and they were they knew who he was so they brought him onto the movie. He's actually appeared in Rushmore, The Royal Tenenbaums, The Darcy Unlimited as well. Oh, so wow. he's he's made some appearance and his son has also appeared in a, a couple of the Wes Anderson films. I know he was one of the characters in the bookstore robbing. Oh, okay. In this film. Wow. I, he, I believe he was the man who opened the door who was wearing the glasses. Oh, okay. Oh yeah. yeah. So that was fun. Another fun fact, although this one is like a little nerdier, oh, is I'm that pumped. this film was not shot in the classic cinema aspect ratio of uh, 235 one. <gasps> it wasn't shot in that. It was actually shot in 185 one. And it had something to do with the kind of film that they were using. They chose it because it was easier to light. Uh, and which kind of makes sense for this film because almost all of it was filmed on location. This was a low budget movie. I think it was around $7 million they had for it. So, And I think that's actually pretty interesting for Wes Anderson because he has kind of this artificial way of constructing areas. But he's also able to navigate real areas really well. That's my favorite thing about the end. This is why I love those last 20 minutes is because... The warehouse has such a sense of feeling and you know where everything is. You know, there's the little tiny trap door almost area that you see Anthony kind of waddling through and they're like, everybody's got to go check out the elevator. You see that, you get to see all the elevators and how they work and how they move. Everybody's posted on a different position. They've all got radios radioing to each other. You get a real sense of what the place is like and it's because it's a real place. Bam. So that's cool. And then I think I only have one more fun fact. Oh, Yes. This is the most fun fact, or maybe the least fun fact, depending on your opinion of this uh, actor. I'm nervous. This is the only Wes Anderson movie in which Bill Murray has not appeared. Oh, no. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> and apparently Bill Murray was originally considered for the role of Mr. Henry, played by James Ken. Oh, that would have been, so, been so good. Bill Murray was in it. 
Oh, Bill. So wait, what was? So he's in, yeah, he's in Rushmore than everything else. How did? Maybe I'll save this for next week. I was gonna ask how Wes Anderson and Bill Murray met, but next week. I guess that'll be one of my fun facts next week. Yeah, next so week. get ready, I'll viewers. Everyone who wants to know, don't go on Wikipedia. Just wait until Aiden tells you. There you go. Now they're not gonna do it. Okay. Thank God. <laughs> I stopped them. Yeah. <laughs> what do you got? What else you got? Do I have anything else? I didn't take extensive notes because I, I didn't feel like I had a lot of thoughts. Me either. It. I just thought it was just a simple, enjoyable movie. wasn't I didn't have to like find hidden meanings or symbols or anything, oh. which is weird because I feel like every movie I'm like, what? What does everything mean? I have to like pause it or something, but like this, I could just sit back and enjoy it. Which I guess maybe that's the take-home message. Maybe that's the the final thought. Just such an easily enjoyable movie. Yeah. So effortlessly, breezily. Let's just yeah. keep throwing in some descriptors like that. My final thought on this movie <laughs> is I want a yellow jumpsuit. True. This movie made me want a yellow jumpsuit. And make him look cool. I want to be part of that squad. Squad goals. It's a good squad. Oh, Hashtag. my gosh. Okay, I do have to mention one thing. Do and it. that's the maybe the funniest thing. Again, those last 20 minutes, man, they are gold. <laughs> Robert Musgrave's character, Bob Maplethorpe, during that whole scene, when the plan just totally breaks down, he drops his radio and it breaks. So his radio stops working. And then when he appears to talk with Dignan and Anthony about what they're going to do because the plan is messing up, he's carrying his gun in the front pocket of his shirt. <laughs> just like the most ridiculous, least prepared kind of characters. I love it's it. It's great. And it is good too with a lot of those things too because they're not like very obviously addressed necessarily. It's just like very much a part of it. You just have to kind of pick up on it and make fun of it yourself. Which yeah. is a nice little touch too. Very subtle things it thrown is in subtle. here and there. Yeah. Yeah. Makes it funnier that way. It does. <laughs> All right. Should we go into um recommendations? Sounds good. Or did you say your final thought? And I, I just... did. No, my final thought is yellow jumpsuit. Okay. Yeah. I just like blacked out, I guess. It's fine, man. Great. Okay, you should go first with your recommendations today. With my recommendation today, it. because I had a difficult time thinking of other wow. things to recommend that weren't just other Wes Anderson movies, you know? Someone's lazy. Someone's yeah. not doing their job. I think if we're going to talk about <laughs> films that have kind of a childish charm to them, these characters are pretty fun to, to watch how they interact, and they do act like kids pushing each other around. Robert Musgrave's character's older brother is a, this horrible bully throughout the film, but not not really like a super terrible bully. He's just kind of a, he seems like a schoolyard idiot, you yeah, know? shows up and is rude, basically. <laughs> yeah, but I think the movie that I would recommend is a really great film. It's from 1930-something. Better be right. It's called <laughs> I Was Born, But. It's directed by Yasujiro Ozu, oh, and it's wow. about these kids who move into this new town uh, with their parents and it's about them trying to figure out how to it's two brothers it's them trying to figure out you know what life is going to be like going to school and they have all these interactions with all the other neighborhood kids and they kind of have to establish dominance over their bullies <laughs> and it's charming but also kind of heartwarming and it's kind of the same way that this movie is but mm. that one's definitely more definitely about childhood in a pretty meaningful way so that that's a really fun movie and it's it kind of rec reminds me of Wes Anderson and, and its charm because it has all these recurring shots of this train car that goes through the middle of the town over and over again. Just throughout the movie, you see just kind of establishing shots of just, it's this quaint town and then there's this train that goes through it. And it's, it's very good. Very nice. I've never heard of that. I kind of want to see it now. Great. You should. I got him. 
So my recommendations, first I'm going to do a movie that's com comedically comparable. I would have said Flirting with Disaster, but I already said that. And also that's a great movie, so please watch it. Very funny. I picked another movie by David O. Russell. It's called I Heart Huckabees, and that's from 2004. And that's basically just like an absurdist corporate satire, but it has a lot of the same kind of tongue-in-cheek humor that's dealt with in a pretty serious way. A lot of people doing pretty insane stuff, but all with a straight face. So if you like that kind of deadpan style, highly recommend that movie. Plus, early David O. Russell's really fun for the most part, so also check that stuff out too. Going into just the theme of bumbling crooks, first, I think an obvious pick probably is Quentin Tarantino's Reservoir Dogs. Obviously, that movie's a little bit darker, but... That deals, obviously, with a heist. Just a little bit darker. Just a little. Not too much. Not very much more blood. But, yeah, it deals with the heist gone wrong. There's not a lot of things comparable besides the fact that the people are not very successful crooks, but similarly, very fun dialogue, fun characters. Just an overall good time, just like this movie is. And then, finally, I chose... I feel like this is not comparable to anything, but The Great Muppet Caper, which is another <laughs> kind of a botched crime movie. And that's like, I'm also just like a huge Muppets stan, so really any time I can bring them up, I just do it. So that's a really fun movie. I don't think that, it's been a while since I've seen it, I don't think the Muppets are the criminals, they are like catching a criminal basically, so they they kind of become this big squad. But very fun, I think it's from 1979, so it's like original Muppets, some really great work. There's like a scene of them riding on bikes through this park and it looks very real, I don't know how they did it, but whatever. So check that out. <laughs> I would very much like to see Kermit the Frog in a black beanie and a yellow jumpsuit. I don't Wow. I think it'd be a good look on him. It could happen. Him. Yeah. You could Photoshop it and make it happen for Ooh, yourself. Oh, boy. Sounds Print good. Print it out. Frame it. I love Kermit. I well, love Miss Biggie. Love them all. Love them all. <laughs> I think that's going to do it for us this week. Yes. So stay tuned for more specials. We'll be releasing a West Wednesday every Wednesday leading up to the release of Isle of Dogs. Oh, so wow. you'll be getting us twice a week. Oh no, So you'll nightmare. be looking for us Wednesdays and Mondays. If you want to hear more of us talking about movies, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Android, and our website, uwpodcast.com. You can follow us on our Twitter at The Filmcast. You can reach out to us on our personal Twitters at Aiden Walkero or at Blake W. Peterson. If you want to write us about a suggestion for a movie or you want to share your thoughts, you can reach us at cinemaadventurepodcast at gmail.com. And uh, if you want to follow along with us for our next Monday episode, we'll be talking about Akira Kurosawa's film Dreams. And next Wednesday for West Wednesday, we'll be talking all about Wes Anderson's second film, Rushmore. And uh, <laughs> with that, we will see you next week. Bye-bye. like in other places? My name is Dee Dee Madigan, host of the weekly podcast Home Plates, where I ask that question and many more. Each week, an international student joins me here in the studio to discuss their food culture. Don't miss new episodes every Wednesday right here on the Soundbite Network. For more like this and other great shows covering sports, science, relationships, and the arts, visit the Soundbites website, uwpodcast.com. That's uwpodcast.com.